You got a problem, you don't know what to do. Your dreams are strange, and you're seeing things too. The world is full of mystery. Life's more than you can see. You can ask pomegranate. You can ask pomegranate. She's a priestess. Hi. My name is Pomegranate Doyle. This is the Pomegranate Doyle Show. It's called Ask Pomegranate, and it's an advice show about delving into the mysteries of life, death, and beyond. And what is beyond life and death? Oh, so much is beyond life and death. It's not even funny how much stuff is beyond life and death. It seems like, you know, we are, uh, since the age of enlightenment at the turn of the, the last century, we sort of thought, oh, we're getting it all figured out. We know the answer to everything. And I think that that is completely wrong in every way. I think that we don't have hardly anything figured out. And I think that that's really interesting. I think it's really interesting that we have almost nothing figured out. And then how could we, how could we have things figured out? Um, Think about how much more things we know and understand in the last hundred years. And of course, this is a, a function of our human brains to think that, wow, we're on the verge of knowing everything. And it's the human brain who tells us this. And what we really have is the tail and the little thread to the vast tapestry of mystery. And that well, all we can do really is pull on a little bit of that thread and look into it and sort of get the very edge of what we can know in this moment, what little tiny bit of mystery we can unravel. And um, everything else is mystery and then beyond mystery. So that's what this show's about. It's a show for mystics and psychics and weirdos and freaky, um, strange, curious people like myself to ask questions. And I will do my best to answer them. I've been answering questions about mystery for most of my life uh, since I was a little kid. People would ask me questions. Like, I mean, even when I was a little kid, adults would ask me questions. And uh, for some reason, I had the hubris to believe that I could answer those questions. And that that has never left me. That a hubris has never left me. So um, my life as a priestess for the last 25 years and as a psychic and a mystic and a shaman and a you name it, I've done it. Uh, has brought me to this show where I hope to delve into the mysteries of the universe, life, death, and beyond. And so um, let me just start with a mystery that is this year, 2012. 2012! I mean, there's been whole movies made about it and how much of a disaster it's going to be and those Mayans and their calendar and... According to some people, we've already hit the critical date of December. What is it? December 21st, 2012. Um, And it's, you know, the end of the world scenario. We, you know, I just think humans are like this. If I have to die, why shouldn't everybody die with me? And that's why we love these end of world scenarios. Sort of like Prince, you know, 1999. We're going to party like 1999. Poor Prince. Nobody partied like it was 1999 because we all thought we were going to die that night. Or at least the computers would die. I don't know if you guys remember this. It was a long time ago, like 10 years ago. Um, Instead of partying, we all waited for something like the triple zeros to hit or something. I don't know. And all the computers in all the world would die. And then we would die because, you know, we die without computers. Oh, wait. Computers are new. There was a life before computers before. I think I lived without computers 
for a long time. <laughs> so we want to have a world where we all die. We want these end-of-world scenarios. And that, in fact, is not what 2012 is about. What 2012 is about is about you changing from what you were programmed to be by your culture, by your parents, by your ancestry, by the systematic, misogynistic, homophobic, racist culture that you were raised in. Yes, you were raised in that culture and it programmed you against your will or with your will. I don't know how you felt about it. I didn't like it. It programmed you to be a certain way. It narrowed your sphere. And it also narrowed your sphere, spiritually speaking. It narrowed it into some uh, idea that there was one spirituality and that you were only here. I don't know what religion you were raised in, but it, but it was narrowed. I tell you it was. And <laughs> what 2012 is asking of you is to heal those stories and to heal and to open your mind to the possibilities and to open your soul and to actually literally help you realign your DNA, realign uh, your spirit, your body, your emotions, your psyche, your psychology, your thinking to an expanded blossoming version of yourself, not virgin version of yourself. Sorry. I've been living in Oregon a long time. Oregonian slur. Um, uh, <laughs> so let me bring in a little of my Canadian and I'll see if I can't cross my T's and dot my eyes. So it's asking you, 2012 is putting the pressure on you. It's cranking up the pressure. Is the world going to end in 2012? No, it's not. Is it going to get more interesting in the Chinese sense? Yes, it's going to get more interesting. It's going to get more pressured. It's going to get more intense for you. The ways that you have been are going to want to crumble away and you are either going to fight that transformation or you're going to surrender to that transformation or you're going to aid that transformation or you're going to resist that transformation or you're going to ignore that transformation or you're going to try to drug that transformation. I don't know which one of these you're going to do. I do have advice because after all, this is an advice show. And that is that as you feel the pressure of this evolutionary change, which is only beginning now, it is only beginning now, as you feel the pressure of it, it's 2012 is not the end. 2012 is the beginning. It's just one year, which is leading up to the beginning of the transformation. You've been in it. I've been in it for my whole life. I've certainly been in it for the last 10 years. You're going to continue to be in it. The pressure of it is going to continue. And so what I advise you to do is what um, the great astrologer Rhea Wolf has advised people to do and what the spirit people have been telling me to do, which is to relax. <laughs> do your best to relax into it. Do your best to just be in flow, to find the way through that allows you to let go that allows you to remember, that allows you to re-blossom, to let that which is lying dormant in you for whatever reason, whatever reason the important vital sense of the truth of who you are has made become dormant, whether it be through oppression and repression, uh, simply having been ignored, telling you that it doesn't exist, that what you see, think, and hear isn't true, whatever it is that's in you that is awakening, allow it to awaken by surrendering to it. 
allow yourself to go through this transformation by letting the transformation be your guide to let it be like a river you're floating down and to let the journey be curious interesting and transformative in a very fulfilling healing way i'm telling you even if you die because of this you're gonna feel better well everybody feels better once they die Mostly everybody, except for the ghosts. But that's another topic for another show. Meanwhile, let's get to questions. To leave a question for me, dial 520-222-9922. Hi, Pomegranate. My name is Ebony, and I'm a witch and priestess in Portland, Oregon. And my question is about uh, creating a container. Um, Specifically, I have a reception, an artist reception coming up uh, for my work. And I want to have a nice, safe container for everybody to view what I see as really magical, powerful work. Um, So my question is, I'm trying to create a container that is safe and powerful and strong, but something that at the same time allows people to move freely in and out of it because it's a reception that goes on for two hours and people are going to be, you know, coming and leaving for those two hours. So what would you suggest for the best way to create that kind of container for the reception? A magical container. Well, Ebony, you're a priestess and a witch, and so that means you know what you mean when you say the word container. Um, I'm, I'm guessing you mean, how do I cast a circle? How do I make a magical container, you said? And so what she means by that is she means how do I establish an energetic boundary that allows in the things I want in, and does not allow in the things that I do not want in. And this is the idea that you have personal power. This comes out of the notion that you actually have personal power and that you can claim that power. You can use that power to affect your environment. And uh, it's kind of a radical notion if you think about it, because I don't know how you were raised. I'm uh, almost 50. When I was uh, raised in the 60s, this is pre uh that second wave of feminism i was raised to believe that i was a girl and and my power was very limited and came mostly from the way i looked uh so (laughs) which was didn't feel good to me i was sort of what i was kind of mad about that when i was even like seven i remember being angry about the idea that i didn't have power and um what this idea does is it says you can Because you're a living part of the natural universe, because you are born of Mother Earth, who is a fireball, cooling fireball of energy, that you can access that energy, channel it through your intention, and then use that. And one of the first things you want to use that for once you discover it is for creating a protection or creating a container for yourself to 
have a sacred environment. This is basically just saying, I claim this environment as sacred to me. And churches do it all the time, synagogues, so on, uh, mosques, they do it all the time. You can do it. You can be your own temple. You can be your own church um, at any given moment. And what you do is you, it's real simple. Access to the mysteries, it comes through play and it comes through imagination. These are the two important things that you need to get in touch with your personal power, play and imagination. And um, in my era, those were the two things that were erased first in childhood when going to school. So think about, I always think, huh, wasn't that interesting that they took those two things away from us? I don't think it's true now so much. Um, You know, we're not sitting in straight rows having to be well behaved and not daydream. But that was sort of a radical concept that children should not have access to their imaginations and their ability to play on a regular kind of throughout their day. In fact, that those are the two main ways for them to learn. So what you can do is you can reclaim your power um, and you can say, I set this And we like circles. I don't know. They're just a nice shape. I set this circle. I think of, I do more a sphere around myself. And I say, this belongs to me and I make it sacred for, now we bring in my intention. So Ebony, what is your intention? You have to ask yourself, what's my intention? Well, your intention is to show your art. Your art is magical. You want people to be able to come and go. You don't, it doesn't sound like it's a private invitation only environment that you want people to be able to come and go. So what you would do is just really, really softly and gently call the power to you and ask it to not just sort of gently remove from anybody unneeded, whatever is not needed for your work and to be experienced. And so that that just leaves them as they enter the space and that, and that um, they bring in with them what they do need and they can come and go. It's a bit soft or permeable. People can come and go through that. And that if they want it back when they leave, they can certainly have it back. And if they don't want it back, then you did a little purification from them because we always want whatever we do um, with, with our abilities, we always want to make that a benefit to everybody. So that's what I would suggest to you. You can ask Pomegranate. Hey, Pomegranate. I've been having some trouble. No matter where I seem to go, it seems like the ghosts keep on wanting to follow me around. Anywhere I go, the ghosts just come knocking, and if I ignore them, they just follow me. What do I do? Well, ghosts are following you around. Uh, (laughs) That's a problem. (laughs) You should definitely consider ghosts following you around to be a problem. Sometimes people get really enamored of ghosts. There's a, um, you know, we love ghost stories and we love to watch horror movies and We like the thrill of it all. It's sort of like when it's in fantasy, it's really lovely. Or when it's on TV, you know, like all those psychic shows where they have to, you know, the psychics are investigating with flashlights because I don't know why psychics, real psychics don't ever use flashlights in dark rooms. They turn the lights on, (laughs) which 
turn the lights on because we're not using our eyeballs to look at the psychic information. We're using our uh, third eye and <laughs> our, our psychic ability, our extrasensory perception, uh, which is outside of the realm of light necessarily. Uh, so anyway, ghosts, yes. Um, and, and it seems like most psychics we, that you see through popular culture really are mostly doing ghost hunting. And, you know, what you have to realize is that ghosts are people too. <laughs> They're just kind of like uh, really mad people or really drunk people or drug addicted people. They're like not the people you really want to spend a whole lot of time with. And so if they're following you around, you need to do something about it. And um, it may mean a couple of things that in fact, it is your job to deal with ghosts and it is your job to deal with them and help them and, or contain them because it's a problem. Uh, it's a problem that comes about, I mean, was it the Protestant revolution? Was it the, the Lutheran Protestant revolution that banned people talking to ghosts, banned people talking to their ancestors and sort of put the whole kibosh on recognizing uh, too much about death, which is ironic since they then went on and burnt a whole lot of Catholics. I know you witches out there like to think that you were the ones who were burning. Of course, Many witches were burned, but more Catholics were burned. And then, of course, then the Catholics went and burned the Protestants and back and forth, producing a whole lot of ghosts because bad deaths can produce ghosts. And what happens is people die unexpectedly or while in a very emotionally overwrought state or uh, through drugs or alcohol and therefore they're altered. And because there isn't, you know, adequate care for people who while they're dying, which of course, dying is one of the most important things you're going to do. It's, 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 it's easier in some ways than getting born, but it's harder on the other side. It's harder to die because it's really about making the crossing from this realm into the next. And that is the place you can get trapped. And the place, one of the places you can get trapped is planet earth. Ghosts are in fact spirits who have died. This is one category of ghosts, spirits who have died, who didn't cross over. And so because they're mad or they're drunk or they're, you know, shocked and they didn't get help and they needed help and they needed a priestess or they needed a priest or shaman or somebody to help them cross over and they didn't get it. So if they're bothering you, the first thing you need to think about is, is this my business? Now, this is a thing I will say many, many, many times and many, many answers. Uh, you always want to ask, is this my business? And uh, you want to look for that answer in your body. Your body is your answer and your body will say one of three things. I'm sure I'll have a question later where I'll get more specific about this topic of the what your body says and how you know. We like to call it our intuition. Your intuition is not complicated. If you're thinking your intuition is complicated, it's not. It says one of three things. It says yes. It says no. Are you with me? Or it says maybe. And guess what? Maybe means no until further notice. So yes, no, or no. 
<laughs> it's not complicated. And that's why we don't like to listen to it. We want to believe it's, you know, got all these nuances and especially the babies. I know I don't like the maybes. I usually want the maybes to be yeses. And I always rue the day when I didn't listen to the maybe and say no to myself. <clears throat> so if it's your business to deal with ghosts, you need to get training from someone who is a ghostbuster, someone who is, or a, like me, I am a priestess of the underworld. I deal with ghosts. I deal with uh, people who are having trouble ha after they die. They have trouble. I also help people cross over so that I don't have to deal with the dang ghosts. So there's nothing sexy and cute and appealing about ghosts. There's other ways to become a ghost, which I'll probably go into in another session. Um, if you're all interested and think it's real cool and groovy, you're making a mistake because ghosts are bothersome. Um, you know, the movies, uh, movies exaggerate everything for drama, but they do have threads of truth in them. And <laughs> the movie Poltergeist is <laughs> not, it's like, yeah, it's not fun. It, uh, it's not fun. Okay. So what, uh, what I say to you, dear caller is, get some training if it's your business. And if it's not your business, then listen to the first question in this podcast, which is how to create a container. When you get bothered by the ghosts, set up a harder container and say no to the ghosts. You can ask pomegranate. Five two zero two 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 ninety nine twenty two. My name is Sam. I am currently a student in the Blue Iris Mystery School in Portland, Oregon, and a uh, practicing witch. I am finding I feel a lot of guilt around driving. I've been riding my bicycle and being pretty environmentally conscious, frugal, uh, generally a low footprint. But as I am finding my magical way and my way in the world, my career path and my lifestyle, I'm finding that I want to use a lot more resources than I have been before. And it comes up most easily with driving. I'm using gas, I'm, I'm doing all these things that I see directly impacting the environment. And it, I have a hard time because I feel very connected to the world of the plants and the earth. I'm a Taurus, uh, a green person connected to what I would call the, the green fairy realm. So my question for you is, how as people do we live in this world where we have to, we have a structure in place where we're supposed to use all of these resources. You have to live in a home, you have to eat food. Um, how do we do it in a way that is healthy uh, and regenerative and keeps in mind this big plight we're facing around uh, the degradation of our natural world. Well, it sounds to me like you've got some level of original sin hovering around this question a little bit. And maybe I'm getting you wrong, but uh, it occurs as I listen to you speak, it occurred to me that there was a level of guilt at your exist, your very existence. And that, that is sort of a part of, um, what um, my friend Colette Gardner likes to call the big lie. Now, Colette Gardner, 
caller, you know, because you are uh, going to her mystery school, which is a really good mystery school, the Blue Iris School of Mystery. Um, and anybody who is listening to this podcast in Portland, Oregon might be, or are nearby might be interested in attending that school. There's a webpage. You can go look it up. It's a highly recommended school. If you're uh, serious about studying for a year to four years about uh, the mysteries, um, there's a lot of mystery schools out there and I, I don't know that many of them are all that great, but this one is most excellent. Of course I teach there. So I believe in it. <laughs> and I believe in what I teach. So the the concern that I hear in your voice is one of, I have to live in a house. I have to eat food. I, you know, um, you know, you get to live in a house. You get to eat food. Taurus, Taurus, you must love the luxuries. I mean, it's about the luxuries. It's about the sensual nature of the universe for you. And, and so should it be for all of us. Uh, because some corporate jerk has like pumped the earth for oil and then sent that oil to China and enslaved children at making plastic little stupid toys that go in your Happy Meal. And then, <laughs> you know, the kid plays it for three seconds and then it goes into the landfill. Is that you? Did you do that? <laughs> You know, like, if you stay in touch with your sensual nature, if you stay in touch with the beauty of the good green earth, which is about sensual enjoyment. I mean, you were given skin, you were given bones, you were given taste buds. You were born into this experiential unit called the human form. You know, some creatures on planet earth don't taste things, you taste things. And then you are given a beautiful mind and creative full life force that makes things like rose caramel ice cream or, you know, caramel lacte ice cream or whatever you want to say. Um, it makes beautiful things. And your job is to experience those things. Your job is to live in a beautiful home and to enjoy the food like it was a blessing upon you because it is a blessing upon you that food on your plate that look at your plate the next time you make yourself a salad and look at the colors and the sounds and the smells this is like for me this can be like a ceremony of like the highest proportions um there's this line in the charge of the goddess that says all acts of love and pleasure are my rituals. And so yes, that's you celebrating the earth you were born onto, and um, letting go of the lie that you are a negative impact on it. I mean, you're the child of the earth. How could you in your special and I, I don't care who you are, or what you're doing right now, you in your special nature, your soul, the core of who you are, is a blessing to the universe, to the earth. And your appearance on the earth was like an exquisite, beautiful flower blossoming. And I don't care if you have forgotten that and messed that up and for made mistakes along the way. It doesn't matter to me. And it doesn't matter to the goddess either. It doesn't matter to the earth. It matters that you are here in uh 
the color purple, I think it's the color character Seely goes, I may be ugly, I may be stupid, but I'm here. <laughs> you know, and of course, as played by Whoopi Goldberg, no, none of those things. Beautiful, intelligent, amazing. She, I'm here. You're here. You're here, Sam. You're here. You're here on the earth. Be here and enjoy it and expound into, expand into it and breathe it in and drink it in and everything that you take in. And here's the part that's your responsibility. This is going to help you with the guilt, I think, is you then take that and what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Worrying every minute that the environment you're in is being harmed by you and that you're somehow a poison. That's really such a ring of original sin to me is not what the goddess intends for you. You know, if you're an inventor, if you take all that in and then your job is to invent something, go invent something, invent something and make sure that it follows your ethics and your morals. Or if you're an artist, then go make art about it. Or if you're a writer or a gardener, whatever it is that you're supposed to do with that vital life force that you've received, you go do that. And know that all we can do at any given moment is simply to do what has been given to us to do today. You know, what is my work today? The Lord's Prayer has got a great... Um, a great line about this. Uh, it says, give us this day our daily bread. And you can think of that as both, let me have what I need to, to thrive. And also let me have what I, let me know what I need, what my job, my work is today. If you can do what your work is today, even if it's nothing, today your job is do nothing, then do that. And the next day you'll know the next thing. And this, um, this is kind of a magical little uh, prescription for life <laughs> because the people who accomplish the most brilliant things on the earth are probably following that. They're just doing what's in front of them to do that day. And it might be a lot and it might be nothing. And it's not your job to judge which one of those it is. It's your job just to do it. Because some, the days when you're doing nothing are usually the days when you really get the brilliant idea or you restore yourself enough to move forward and you step out of this idea that we are guilty little rodents polluting the earth and just need to go do our little sort of stint every day to prove our value. Every day I have to go and do this much. And if I don't, I haven't proved my value. Your value is inherent within you. Even if you totally mess up this whole life, even if you come and you are one of the guys who's designing the plastic crap for the thing so that it's in the dollar store. And then, you know, like all that's got to go. We know that, right? We know that. But even if you totally screwing it up, you are still inherently good, natural blossoming on the earth because you are the one who's presenting challenges to all the environments, environmentalists who, if they didn't have a dirty earth to be born onto, wouldn't have a job either. So <laughs> it all makes sense somehow in the long run. Breathe easy, Sam, be a Taurus, be in your body, get to live in the temple that is your home, get to eat the vital life force of the foods. You, it's your blessing. You are blessed to have it, but you are a blessing 
having received it and then giving back what you have to give. You can ask Pomegranate. Hi, Pomegranate. This is Violet. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon, and I'm currently in mystery school. And uh, I was wondering, how do I tell somebody that I'm dating, I'm a witch, and my family? Mystery school students, thank you for all these great questions so I can launch my podcast. Thank you so much. How do you come out to your family and your partner and so on as a witch? Uh, What you do is you say to yourself, there is no shame in following a spiritual path. If you were Jewish, if you're converting to Judaism, if you're converting to Christianity, Catholicism, uh, you know, from a Jewish family to Catholicism or vice versa, it might be hard for your family to hear. So while you have no need to be ashamed of that, uh, know that they will have um, a reaction. And part, as I've said earlier in the podcast, part of what we want is for people to go, well, what do you mean which? Because we want people to ask us questions when we come out. We want them to start to think. <laughs> we want them to start to get a little radicalized about the ideas that you're practicing and promoting in your spiritual path. And if you don't want to start that conversation, then you don't want to come out. You want to just have it to yourself. You get to have it to yourself if you don't want to come out. So how you do it is you say, I found a spirituality and it's fulfilling me and I love it. And I want to tell you about it. Are you interested? And if they're interested, then you can tell them. And if they're not, then don't because they're not that interested in you. And that's an important and that's an important thing to notice if the people who are close to you in your life are interested or not. And if they do show an interest, then you can explain it to them what it means. Now, the first thing people like to do is make fun of you or they like to, especially uh, Christians, they like to assume that it's got something to do with their religion somehow. Uh, their religion having to do with Satan. I wish I had an echo on that. Satan. And of course it doesn't, right? You know, you know that and I know that. I know that it's about noticing. This is what being a witch is about. It's about noticing that the earth is a living being, that it's got life on it. Okay. See, we're we're so whacked out and weird. We like to notice the things that are around us and hold them as sacred. Ooh, scary. So we notice that we are in bodies, that we're on the earth, that we're both a part of everything that is and individuals. And this is a mystery. I mean, come on. That's a mystery, right? That we're a part of it all, that without all everything else that's going on, we wouldn't exist. That without the heat, you know, I mean, look at all the other planets that we know of. None of them are doing what this one's doing. And that's kind of miraculous. Wow, planet Earth, it's alive. Woohoo! <laughs> you know, and uh, that also I have an individual experience of that, which is pretty miraculous. And to reconcile those two is kind of a mysterious and an interesting adventure. And that adventure is my adventure. I get born into it and I get to live it. Yay! So that's the first thing we notice. And then the second thing we notice is that there, and we like to worship these things. We like to go, there's air. Look at me. I'm breathing. Woohoo! 
<laughs> I have air in my lungs and we we hold that is sacred, aren't we strange? And then we go, my goodness, there seem to be substances around things of the earth, earthly things. And we say, there's an element, it's earth and it's special and we hold that as sacred and it's not mysterious. It's not some other, you know, like a gray-haired god in the sky or a legendary being who once lived on the earth for 32 years and then was crucified. It's like, these are things that we can experience directly. Not that there's anything wrong with those two other notions. They're fine. It's just that we like to start with what we can see, feel, hear, touch, and experience. And that there's fire and that fire is like electricity in my body that makes my heart beat and fire in my stove and the fire of my belly, my passion and sex and life force. Yay. And that there's water that I was that I swam in water and breathed water for the first nine months of my life. And that, that I am essentially a sack of salt water walking the earth. I think that our salinity, salinity, is that the word salinity? And my primo engineer is nodding. Yes, that's the right word is the exact same. So our saltiness of that, of our blood is the same saltiness of the ocean. We literally are, sacks of ocean the ocean got real tricky and went how can i get on moving around and be a nice temperature and be a life form and they created us mammals and it's we're moving around the planet as uh, representatives of the ocean and so witches like to go yes these things are real and we hold them to be sacred now if everybody on the earth held these things as sacred in the way that we do. The earth is sacred. The moon is sacred. The air is sacred. Imagine how differently we would treat these things, how differently we would approach them if we were like, they are all sacred. (laughs) So you can explain it to them that way. It's that I hold the things that are evident in nature and in my body and in you to be sacred. These are lots of ideas that you can throw at them and just keep throwing it at them until they say, stop, I'm so happy that you are a witch. You can ask pomegranate. My name's Star, and I am both a witch and a priestess in Portland, Oregon. And my question has to do with how I deal with people of other religions who may perhaps be intolerant of witchcraft or of paganism or whatever, however you want to put it. Um, the specific example is I have somebody who works for me and I've been warned by a mutual friend to be careful of what I say about my own beliefs and my own religious experiences in, in front of him because he's a very religious Uh, individual who cannot or will not tolerate um, a difference in opinion, in religious opinion, or in a religious belief. And my question really has to do with how do I remain true to myself and who I am and what I know to be true for myself in the face of religious intolerance, uh, which may not be able to handle those kinds of feelings. Well, doesn't this just frost my tips, this question? It seems like we get confused when we're a tiny little itty bitty minority. And um, 
when you're a whacked out freaky mystic, you certainly are in a minority. It's becoming popular in the culture, but there's a way in which it's a bit purient interest. It's a bit lurid. It's sort of like, woo, watch the scary psychics with their flashlights, right? Um, explore the scary, dangerous ghost world, which is really just one small portion of what there is to explore in the mysterious realms. But you're talking about religious intolerance and a friend of a friend of yours. Or no, no, a friend of yours warned you about another friend, that that friend was intolerant and that you shouldn't say what, you know, be open about who you were in front of that friend. So let's just think about that dynamic for a minute. First of all, I don't know that this friend who warned you is such a great friend because... That, to me, sounds like someone who is trying to put you in a little bit of a box. Look, it's up to you whether or not you talk about your religious practices. Let's pretend for a second that we were talking about Judaism. That your friend said, you know, what's his name is a real <clears throat> Jew hater. And so you you might want to just keep it down about the whole hanukkah business you're on about tonight because you know we want bill to hear about you being a jew because he'll he's gonna be real mad at you i'm sorry i'm doing a southern accent that was really <laughs> stereotypical of me but uh you <laughs> you know as soon as we think about it that way immediately you have to a say to your friend who gave you this advice you're being intolerant you're being fearful you're being repressive that's actually not okay. And that's a problem between you and your fr initial friend. And then the third party, what? You know, what? People, I didn't, I didn't know that the world changed and we were letting people with religious bias get away with their, bi their, bi their um, prejudices and like hiding ourselves. You know, <laughs> it's up to you whether or not you talk about your spirituality when and where and how if you feel comfortable with yourself and you want to be open about it with yourself and in your environment you be open about it but we do not ever say do not ever hide who we are because of bigotry and intolerance because what that does is it gives bigotry and intolerance a place to grow and if we learn nothing from the civil rights movement, from the queer mo queer movement, <laughs> I saw a t-shirt the other day that said legalize gay. It was awesome. Uh, from feminism, from all of the movements that have fought, uh, we do not allow people to perpetrate their religious intolerance. And the friend who warned you about it, it's actually a worse culprit than the person. Because we don't actually know if that person is that intolerant. Um, it's, they were trying to make themselves comfortable with something they're uncomfortable with, which is your spiritual path, which clearly you're open about to, with them. And you need to sit that person down and give them a little bit of a talking to, because they wouldn't do it to you if you were Catholic. They wouldn't do it to you if you were a Buddhist and they wouldn't do it to you if you were Jewish. They're doing it to you because they feel like you're small enough minority and it's strange to them that they can get away with it. And I would say no to that. No, 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 no. No. 
did I say no? Do you hear me say no, right? I said no. <laughs> we don't tolerate bigotry ever, ever. Okay, that's the end of my first podcast, Ask Pomegranate. We have completed one, and we hope there will be more. I'd like to thank my primo engineero for helping me put this together. I could not have done all the technical stuff and thought of all the good answers at the same time. So thank you, primo engineero. I'd also like to thank um, my songwriter for writing the intro. Uh, <laughs> It was wonderful. It's a wonderful intro, and I just love it. And um, you can leave comments on this podcast at the num- phone number, or you can also leave your future questions. You can go f- to download future podcasts. Go to askpomegranate.com, and um, our next podcast will be up there. We hope to have them up on a fairly regular basis. And thanks a lot for listening. It's been great. You can ask Pomegranate 520 222